This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope your week is going well. As always, let me give you a little reminder to focus your time on self-care, joy, and pleasure and rest. Those are the three pieces that are going to give you a good foundation for your mental health. Also help you build some resilience and um, they should be the cornerstone of our lives, right? And every day you should be engaging in those things. Every day it should be an act of self-care in some form, some form of joy and pleasure, right? And also rest, build those things in. Um, So it's National Suicide Prevention Month. So we're going to be talking about some Facts and thoughts around suicide prevention. So content warning, trigger warning. We're going to be talking about those topics. Um, Also, some stuff came out with the Oscars. But first, we got to talk a little bit about Corona. Uh, My gosh, it's taken on a life of its own in a lot of new ways. For instance, one of the big malls back near my old home has a coronavirus store. Yep, she sells all things Corona related. I actually get it. You can buy interesting masks t-shirts, all sorts of paraphernalia and things that are related to coronavirus. Why? Because we're still in a pandemic. I know some people are looking around at the pictures from past holiday weekends, et cetera, et cetera, going, wow, it really looks like it's over. Some people think it's over. Did I miss something? Nope, you didn't. It's still going. Um, so much so, let's look at some of the numbers. I have some of the numbers. Not not a good thing. So California coronavirus numbers confirmed up 2,456 deaths plus 33. Los Angeles in general up 487, deaths up 25. Come on, even up one is heartbreaking to me. So remember, we're still, we still got the same rules and regulations in place. Wear a mask, wash your hands, social distance. If you're gonna see people make it outdoors and in smaller numbers. Look, you can still get your needs met that way. People that are like, yeah, no, I need to lay all over my friends, not wear masks and engage in full on sexuality. Look, I'm sex positive as hell, but I'm telling y'all, there are a lot of ways to be sexual. I do not agree that you need to be making out or engaging in other high-risk sexual behaviors around the pandemic. You don't. There's so many ways to be sexual that allow those distancing measures to be put in place. Having sex while wearing a mask. Having sex where it's more about you apart from each other. It's more visual-based. It's more mutual masturbation. Uh, sexting. All sorts of distance-based things. But there's a lot of people that are just... You know, they're burnout. I get it. Look, we're all exhausted. We're all burnout. We want our lives back. But by not following the rules, that's not going to get us back to where we need to be. And I'm still seeing a lot of people getting positive. Jillian Michaels, the body shaming trainer from The Biggest Loser, that show that's really medically unhealthy. Um, she was saying, look, I followed all the rules. Let my friend who's a hairdresser come over for one hour, no mask, and I got the infection from her. And I loved that she was honest enough to share that because all it took was that one moment, and that's all it ever takes. You know, let your guard down one time. 
and things like that can happen. So please don't think as tired as you are, as burnt out as you are, that it's still not a threat. And there's some states and local areas that are not taken seriously at all. The kids are back in school. That is not going well. The numbers are spiking. They're being quarantined. They're being sent home, colleges, grade schools. It's a mess and, and we, need to, we need to refocus. We need to do better. And, you know, I, I appreciate the whole thing. I don't, I'm not a fan of using shame as a way to get people to reorient or change their behavior. But what we have to not do is support it. We definitely have to not support it. So, and I, and I think it's important that we talk to those we are close to. Talk to your good friends. Talk to your family members. Hey, listen, I wanted to talk to you. Um, we're allowed to express concern. And if you are cohabitating with people, oh yeah, you better sit them all down and you all come to a cohabitating contract about what expectations you're all gonna have on each other for safety. Because while you're isolating, your loved ones, family members, or whoever might be going in and out of the world doing God knows what, <clears throat> and you have a right to know what they're bringing home and how that impacts you. It's kind of like the discussion we have around safer sex practices where I want people that are sexual asking, when's the last time you were tested? What were your testing results? What kind of protection do you, do you tend to use, right? Having those conversations. COVID's the same thing. If someone wants to be around you, you have a right to say, hey, I wanted to ask, have you been COVID tested? What were the results? What's your behavior been like since then? Are you around high-risk people? Yes, ask that. I'm, I'm working with some clients where they are cohabitating with people that are not following any rules. And that's led to them moving out or asking the other individual to move out because that's right. If you're living with people and you're putting them at risk by going out in the world and coming home and breathing on them, touching things, yes, they have a right to maybe ask you to move out because you are setting them up for a risk for death. <laughs> it's a big deal, y'all. We need to take it more seriously. It's heartbreaking that we're not. All right, coming up next, again, we're gonna be talking about suicide prevention all week. It's important stuff, and if you don't think it relates to you, it does. Because what I'm really talking about is just mental health in general. What I'm really talking about is also how you can be prepared to help others. Because if not you, it might be someone you love or care about that will need your help. We're also gonna be talking about cuffing season, God bless it, because that supposedly is on its way. Question of the night, as always, is up on our Loveline IG page. That's in the story, so go on over there and weigh in on that. We'll be breaking that on down in the show. And then, of course, our DMs. Drop in there. Look, it's always confidential. It's always anonymous. Whatever you need to ask, whatever you're struggling with, we're here for you, truly. So, you know, jump in with your questions and just know that whatever you're wondering about or struggling with, someone else might be as well. So your question might help them. Um, all right, you're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, y'all. So we're back and we're talking about suicide prevention and for those that think this doesn't relate to them, just know that what we're talking about is mental health in general, right? And all these things support and feed into each other. So everything I'm talking about is always somehow related to mental health in some capacity, um, assessing yours, assessing others, improving theirs, improving yours, also about needed skills. And you you might be one of those people where your life is very um, stable. Uh, you feel like you thrive more than not. That's great. Congrats, that's beautiful. Others struggle, and this is a way that you can be a better friend, a better partner, a better loved one, a better employee, a better employer, whatever it is. And someone might come to you at some point needing help, care, or support, and these are the ways that you're able to be present to them, right? Because the health of others and those around you impacts your health, right? So we want everyone to feel good and get their needs met. So one of the things I was talking about is suicide prevention is far bigger than just the individual that is considering death by suicide and how and what we do around that. It's 
changing the conditions that ever get someone to that point, right? It's changing the conditions so no one ever has to be living in a world where they feel like they're not of worth or value. I wanna create a world where no one thinks that death is the only resolve or the only solution, right? I want people to live in a world where they feel cared for, where they feel valued. I wanna create a world where mental health isn't something people have shame about. I want us to all help create a world where people have access to the resources they need, right? But we have a lot of our values off and wrong and what we focus on. And I was saying in yesterday's show how mental health is an invisible illness. It's an invisible struggle. And so it's really hard for some people to know when it's happening with a loved one because unless we notice behavior change or they share it with us, it's often unacknowledged. Because again, it's not always comfortable or safe for someone to say, listen, this is what I'm feeling. And we still live in a system where we criminalize it, where if someone talks about struggling with suicidality, we immediately want to call the authorities and people essentially get punished for having those thoughts and feelings. We need to be able to hold space for them. We need more community care. And that's why I'm doing this topic all week long. So people feel a little more confident in hearing these things, talking about these things and providing the needed resources, right? And what we can all do for those that feel a little helpless or powerless is your presence in the world can be part of changing and making it better or just strengthening, leaving it as it is, which is bad and wrong and problematic and toxic for many people. So we have to you know, work on it on an individual level. We also have to work on it on a larger social level because they both feed into this, right? So I was saying also in yesterday's show how I don't want it to be on the shoulders of the individual struggle, of the individual who is struggling, excuse me, or even just on their smaller network. Um, I think that we all can have a hand in this, right? So suicide prevention, first off, is about making these needed social changes. So suicide prevention is getting people uh, universal health care, right? When our physical and our mental health needs are met, we're going to do better, and that's going to reduce that. When people can get mental health services, right? Also, living wages. When people are making a living wage, when people are getting paid the amount of money they need to get paid so they can pay their rent and eat and live a life full of joy, you are going to reduce the amount of suicides. You're going to reduce drug and alcohol addiction. A lot of that is born out of, <clears throat> I don't like the world I'm living in because I can't address my health needs. I'm working really hard, but I still can't pay my bills or purchase the things that I wanna purchase. That is part of mental health. And so <clears throat> as I'm talking about these topics, I challenge everyone to weigh in on how they're playing a role in that. So living wages is suicide prevention, healthcare is suicide prevention, reproductive justice, people having access to their reproductive needs, access to abortion, access to sexual health care, dismantling the carceral system, right? Looking at our environment, all these things. Just remember, no one's mental health takes place in a vacuum. It takes place in the context of their life. So their mental health is impacted by what's going on at work, what's going on at home, whether or not they see themselves represented on television. Do they have a social network, right? So one of the biggest things we can do is start ending levels of oppression, racism, homophobia, transphobia, um, body shaming. Those are things that start to eat away at someone's sense of self-esteem or worth. That, those are things that don't make the world a safe place for them. And if you don't feel of worth and the world is not safe for you or accepting of you, it is very understandable that you would then not want to be a part of it. So that's why I keep going back to our work is to make the world a safe and meaningful place for everyone, regardless of how they look, who they are, or what they do in the world. We all can have a hand in that. So if you're out in the world and you're hearing someone say or do something violent or oppressive, 
because of someone's race, sexual orientation, gender expression, body size, shut it down. You might be saving someone's life in the moment or down the road by changing how everyone talks about that kind of person, directly or indirectly. These things matter. Also, we live in a world rooted in marketing and media where we're all about telling people that they're not okay as they are. You need to not be aging, so buy these products. You need to have a certain gym body, so buy these products. You need to be up in current fashion, so buy these products. All these things, consumerism is tied to the idea that our worth is rooted in how we look. And your worth and your job while on this planet is not to be as attractive as possible. That is not your job or what your focus should be, right? I want it to be on, we're okay as we are. We can spend and purchase to add some joy or fun to our lives, but it shouldn't be tied to our sense of self-worth. Because in theory, you never need to buy anything ever again but food. You can wear the same old clothing you've been wearing. You do not need anti-aging products because aging is appropriate and healthy. You do not need a gym body. We need to move our bodies, go for a walk out in the air, wear the clothing you've been wearing. Like we need to reshift our value system because these ideals that we have for what it means to be successful or relevant our culture is a very high bar that very few people can live up to. And when they do, it's not always something that's sustainable. And that inability to reach that goal of what's successful is one of the things that eats away at some people's mental health. And I've worked with clients who have considered death by suicide because they lost all their fancy cars, their fancy home, their fancy job title. And their worth was tied to that because they've been socialized and trained to believe that that's what made them worthwhile. More of this, gonna keep talking about this because this stuff is very, very important. Listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back and uh, question of the night. As always, it's up on our Loveline IG page. In the stories weighing on that, we'll be breaking that on down later in the show as well as doing some DMs. And uh, we're gonna be talking about cuffing season. It always makes me laugh, that whole concept. But that's, you know, it's what we're entering. So we're gonna talk a little bit about that. But we're gonna just wrap up this segment with um, the finalization of our suicide prevention discussion for the night. Um, you know, again, it's National Suicide Prevention Month. Really important to talk about this. It impacts all of us directly or indirectly. And if not even in your mind in any way, it's still a discussion about how we can improve our collective mental health and the things that need to change. So, so far we talked about how all the different isms, racism, <clears throat> excuse me, sexism, classism, homophobia, transphobia, all those things are part of what leads someone to think that this isn't a safe place to exist. Because suicide prevention is building a world where everyone wants to be a part of it because everyone's valued and they're getting their needs met. And when we tell them, "Mm, you only have value if you're attractive and you have to meet these certain attractive needs. You only have value if you always look young, so you better be working and fighting aging. Uh, You only have value if you have a gym body or if you have a lot of cars. When we get trapped in materialism, consumerism, and just moving away from our authenticity and honesty, that is how we start to set up people to have mental health struggles and also not wanna be a part of that world or that culture. Let's just let people be, wear what you want. Age, it's healthy, it's natural. You don't need to buy all of these fancy things. Just move your body and look the way you look, right? We gotta move away from toxic consumerism, body shaming, and this idea that you aren't okay as you are. We also need to reorient our definitions and evaluations of what is success, and finally, it's all about community care. We, we need to remind ourselves we are 
responsible for the needs of those around us. You know, and that's where we get in these arbitrary boundaries. That's not my family. I don't have to worry about my family. Or that's not my neighborhood. I don't have to worry about my neighborhood. Or that's not my state. Only got to worry about my state. Or that's not my country. Only got to worry about my country. These are arbitrary defining lines. Please worry about everyone. I'll buy from anywhere. I don't buy American made only. I want everyone to have a living wage and get their needs met and have a job. I don't worry only about California. I care about people in Flint, Michigan having clean water. You know what I mean? I'm white. I still care about black lives. You know, um, we, we are responsible for those around us. I do want us to weigh in. I do want us to help someone who needs help. I do want us to consider our neighbor, you know, collective care, thinking more collectivity wise. I wanted that to come out of the pandemic. It hasn't. It's what's what has come out of it is people are still toxically individualist. I want to go to my party. I still want to get married and I'm not going to care that I might be putting others at risk by making them come shaming them to participate or by bringing and spreading the infection COVID that is not thinking in terms of collectivity or community that is selfish, narcissistic, and individualistic. All the decisions you make right now in a pandemic impact others, right? So community care is caring about how we impact. Others. I wanted that to come out of this. It hasn't. And I kept getting interviewed early on. People would say, what do you want to come out of this positively? So far, the best I can come up with is maybe we've gotten a more, a little more simplified. We're changing our relationship to work, realizing people can work from home and if they can let them, right? We're getting back to basics with a lot of things. I'm here for that part, but we got to treat others better. I do want us to care about the welfare of those around us. We do need to pay attention to bullying and trolling, not shaming. You know, you can't say, oh, suicide prevention, I'm all about mental health, and then go write a trolling comment on someone's social media post, which torments them. You never know what someone's up against or what they're struggling with, and you might be the final comment that makes them realize, you know what, I, I can't do this anymore. I don't have worth or value, right? And you don't want to be that person. Make, make your time here, make your legacy being one of healing and positivity, not negativity. To this day, it blows my mind that people with their name and their little face will go on someone else's social media page, someone who's just minding their own business and write something hateful or horrible. Just because you have access to someone via social media doesn't mean you have a right to say, intrude in their day or their life or the mental health and say something really horrible or toxic. We need to do better about that. It's heartbreaking to me. And finally, Suicide prevention is also working less and resting more. People are burnt out. They're working more because of technology. They're always accessible, always reachable, working long hours, not even having weekends. I'm dating someone who often can't even take a weekend off. Employers, give people their weekends. Give people their nights or their mornings when they're not off. Reach out during the clock time only. Please don't be reaching out to them at night or over the weekend. Give them the weekend off. People are burnt out. They're disconnected. They're overstressed. They're tired. We need more rest, less productivity. We need to focus more on fun, time with our families. That's what it's about. Mental health and life is about fun, freedom, being with our families, not being tied to work and success and our finances and our purchasing power. We need to reorient all of that or we're not going to improve as a culture and suicide rates and mental health rates are not going to drop. And finally, we have to continue to confidently and openly talk about these things. There's still far too much shame around someone saying, I'm depressed, I'm anxious, or getting the needed support to get their needs met and to say, take care of your mental health. I understand that you can't come into work today or go to my wedding or make that trip or go to my birthday party. I understand depression's hard, anxiety's hard, whatever it is, more care talking openly, asking people how their mental health is. So I'm going to wrap that up. Coming up next, sliding into those DMs, question of the night, as always up on our Loveline IG page in the story. So still some time to weigh in on that. 
Listen to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, y'all, it's that time. Time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world and we want you to explore it with confidence. Okay, DMs, as always, they come from our Loveline IG page. So if you've got a question, thought, concern, drop them on in there. We are here for you. Uh, hashtag Ask Dr. Chris. Uh, as always, anonymous, confidential. This one asks, Dear Dr. Chris and Loveline, I just moved across the country with my boyfriend from PA to California. Uh, side note, me too. <laughs> uh, I went from New York to Philly. Well, Philly to New York to Philly to LA. So anyway, I, I feel your journey. It's quite a culture shock too, FYI. East Coast and West Coast, very, very different. Um, yeah. Very different. I remember when I moved to California, I was shocked at how many people were tattooed. I mean, I've been in California now for well over 15 years, but back when I lived in Philadelphia area, we, you know, tattoos weren't as prevalent and uh, more stigmatized and marginalized, which I loved. I'm, I'm, all, I'm all about being an outcast and living on the margins and pushing the boundaries. So I was living for it, but um, <laughs> it's very normalized out here. Also, so is uh, same-sex relationships. Again, 15 years ago when I was living in Philadelphia, wasn't as normalized or prevalent. You didn't see it as uh, openly. And then I came to California and there's same-sex couples holding their hands, walking down the street, pushing their shopping cart. And I remember really being impacted by it going, wow, there's freedom here. There's care here. There's love here. Like what a stunning thing. So I hope you had a good experience. Anyway, I digress. I just moved across the country with my boyfriend from PA to California, you ask. Uh, he lives with his parents. Uh, because his dad is sick and expects us to live with them forever, me included. Am I wrong for having thoughts of going home? Because I do not want to live with my boyfriend and his parents forever. Please help. Thank you. Note, his parents live with us in our apartment. Man, there's a lot in there, truly. A um, couple things. I'm, I'm thankful that his parents have him right now because if they're requiring his presence for care... I'm glad he's able to offer that. This is where, again, I go back to this idea that, man, I say this very lovingly. There's a lot to unpack in this. We live in a very individualistic culture. So I understand that you are more familiar with or interested in um, the seclusion of just you and your partner because that's the quote-unquote traditional normative route. You move away from your family and you and your partner live alone until you build your own family. But some families operate more in a cohesive unit and they're and they care for each other. And I love that. I love the idea of collective care. I want us to get away from putting, you know, people that are disabled or elderly in homes as though we aren't responsible for them. We are. And it's okay to have someone that you love or care about's needs impact you. So I'm glad that they have him and he's there for them. That's beautiful. And I want you to see the health in that. It isn't aligned with what you wanted, but is it I understand that you're in an apartment and that's very small. So I, pr I definitely appreciate the space and the proximity and wanting privacy. I'm not disregarding that. If you were in a larger dwelling, I would say, is it truly a problem or is it just you don't like the idea of it? Living with them in a smaller dwelling, I can understand how difficult that is. This is, there's no right or wrong here. This isn't really so much a mental health question. You have to talk to your partner and just be very honest and transparent. Listen, I love seeing how much care and love you have for your parents. That's not ideal for me or the vision I have. And so ask them maybe what the long-term plan is. And if your partner says the long-term plan is to live with my parents, then yes, you are not compatible and you need to go find a relationship with someone who wants what you want. 
But your partner might say it's not the long-term plan. They have a right to say, well, what is the plan? And when can I expect to maybe live alone? Can we live near each other but not in the same home? Can we get them an apartment in the same building or on the same block? Can we get them an apartment nearby? And we can be very frequent you know, participants in their life but maybe not have them live with us. I think there's a lot of options that can be discussed where he still feels like he's present and taking care of his family but they're not necessarily literally living with just a wall separating the two of you. So explore that first. Um, but again, if you have very different visions, then you're not compatible and you have to decide what you want to do about that. Um, I can't really weigh in on that part, but I think the first step is talking to your partner about what he sees the long-term plan being. And then you have to decide if that's something you're open for. Slide in the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world. We want you to explore the confidence. Coming up next, we're going to talk about cuffing season and also uh, some changes being made at the Oscars. Listen to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. And uh, you guys remember Kirstie Alley? She was in that show Cheers. It's really all I know her from. I'm not that familiar with her work. I'm not really good with celebrities. I'm more I'm more into books and authors and art and artists. Um, not that television doesn't fall into that. By all means, it's absolutely another vehicle of that. But that's just not what I'm most drawn into. I'm also a big horror fan. So, you know. Anyway, I digress. Point is, <laughs> the Oscars have new diversity guidelines. Let's start with this for a second. I am all about that. Why? Because the world isn't fair. And so, yes, certain people need to be given access or acknowledgement. You know, we live in a very powerfully patriarchal culture. White cis hetero reigns supreme. And so anyone that is not white, anyone that is not cis, that might be trans or gender fluid or non-binary, anyone who's not straight is not given the same uh, substance support care access. I even just think of this. There is, I think I talked about this on the show. There's a horror movie that I love. It's on Netflix. And it originally was about a straight couple. And it was phenomenally written, phenomenally acted, phenomenally directed. Had it been still done and shot with a straight couple, it would be in the normal quote unquote genre of Netflix and tons of people would come across it and watch it. Well, last minute, the director decided, let's make it a lesbian couple. Well, Making it a lesbian couple thereby then made it a gay film, which then meant it was marketed under the gay category, which is usually only accessed by a small percentage of people, the gay community, and not even by the entire gay community. So it limited its ability to exist and have exposure because it became a gay film and then it's labeled in the gay section. So... You know, again, there's a positive aspect to something being in a subcategory, but then there's a negative aspect. And so my point being is all things aren't fair or considered equally. Just even still, we have trans actors who are not brought into play or audition for traditional roles. They're only brought in for trans roles and they're not even given a chance with those because they'll give cis actors those roles. And so look, every role is for cisgendered actors. They are good, they're taken care of. They don't need to also take the few trans roles. That's the point of that, right? So when the Oscar says, hey, we're setting up new guidelines for how we judge things, including best picture category, I'm all about it. That's called uh, fairness. It's called evolution. It's called equality, equal access. Why would you want to challenge that? Well, good old Kirstie Alley was not having it. And she went on a Twitter tirade, which she then deleted. Um, but her whole point is talking about artistic liberty, artistic freedom. Girl, no piece of any film that's produced is completely pure. 
Every single film, movie, play, book has an editor, producers, it is rewritten. Like, so get off your high horse of purity that if we add Oscar requirements, people are gonna change their art. Welcome to the world. What film, I mean, what film have you been on that literally sticks with the artistic vision from the door? None. There are a multitude of people that are constantly inputting and changing. Just the editor sitting in the editing bay, working with what the director or writer produced is changing things. Welcome to the world, Kirsty. Everything evolves and has changed as a lot of people evolved. When when Beyonce writes a song, there's there are 80 at times up to 80 co-songwriters involved on her vision, thereby making it not her pure vision. The world is not a pure, clean place. I am okay with us paying attention to who's being left out, who's being oppressed, who's being brought in, who's present, who's not, who's being legitimized, who's being illegitimized. Yeah, but again, when someone who's white, cis, hetero, who's who's used to having the whole world centered around them, when they meet their first barrier, right, or their first obstacle, they lose their crap. Well, welcome to the world of being someone who's not white cis hetero, where that is just all they see. You know what I mean? So pull together and toughen up. Like, God forbid you don't have access to something. This came up when the Abbey, the iconic world famous Abbey, it's a gay bar here in West Hollywood, when they said, listen, this is when you couldn't get married being gay. They said, until gays can get married, we do not want all the girls, the cis hetero girls having their bridal parties at the gay bar because it was a very popular place for bridal parties. And they were saying, you aren't welcome here in that way. And guess who threw a hissy fit? It's like every single bar is rooted in hetero culture, right? God forbid of all the bars on the planet, the handful that are gay want it just to be gay specific. God forbid you don't have access to something and you throw a hissy fit. You know what I mean? Like this is the narcissism at its best. God forbid the world not center you. So Christy, pull it together. Like seriously, why would you want to actively push back on someone trying to make things more fair, more honest, you know? Um, it's ridiculous. So of course you took it all down. People are pushing back. I love diversity. I love paying attention to who's in the room and who's not and why aren't they. I think every organization should look around and say, do we have gay people in positions of power? Do we have black people in positions of power? And if not, why not? Is it not safe for them? Are we not recruiting them? Are we not legitimizing them? What's going on? Because if you look around and everyone's just white, cis and hetero, you got a problem. And it's called prejudice and discrimination and you need to fix it. And the Oscars had that problem. When you look at the amount of female directors that get Oscars, when you look at the amount of people of color, queer or trans that get Oscars, oh, we are talking, well, I can count it on my, on my two hands. You know what I mean? So change was needed. I'm here for it. I'm all about it. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk about cuffing season. I never really subscribed to all that, but like the, I, I can see where there's something behind it and we're about to enter it. So we're going to talk about it. And then question of the night. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. <clears throat> Question of the night. It's up on our Loveline IG page. We'll be doing that next. So uh, still some time to weigh in on that. Talking about cuffing season. So essentially, man, it started really early. So in, in normal times, whatever that even means, supposedly it happens around November. It starts getting really cold. People want to stay indoors. They want to cuddle up to someone. And they start really focusing on the years winding down. What have I done with this year? Why am I single? I want to be in love. So I want to just start by saying it's okay to be single. Like, I want to really normalize that. We're always thinking the trajectory is singledom to relationship. You land there, you stay there, goal achieved. Some people need to be going from relationship to singledom. It's okay to want to be single. 
you know, again, some people are asexual. Some people are aromantic, which means they don't, they don't have a natural draw towards romanticism. Not everyone wants a committed relationship, right? Some people are more solo. Um, it's okay to be lower level of intimacy, needing or seeking or intimacy. That's okay. Not everyone has to be relational or social. I want to say that again. You don't have to be sexual. You don't have to be interested in relationship. You don't have to be interested in socialization. I'm one of those people where I have a lower need for socialization. I don't understand squad goals. I don't like groups of people. I like deeper intimacy and more closeness. So I like hanging out one-on-one. I like having less friends in my life. So we have deeper relationships because I can keep up with them more consistently. So I never related to those larger pieces. I don't of FOMO, fear of missing out. I have JOMO, the joy of missing out. I love not going to a lot of events and parties. All the things I'm interested in are more solitary-based things. You know what I mean? So I like deeper intimacy. I like more solitary-based things, and that's okay. Now, what's interesting is the studies were looking at all the changes that started happening as COVID began, and people were starting to amp up their socialization, which I think is rooted in mental health for many, where isolation set in because of self-isolation, and they started reaching out more. Now that Labor Day's gone and you know winter's coming, a lot of people are now starting to assess what's going on in their life relationally. We've also been, many of us, isolating for months and months and months. And so some people are getting really, really, really lonely. And that's also amplifying. So we're coming up on what's traditionally called cuffing season again, where due to the cold weather and the end of the year, people are assessing singledom and want relationship. And then we're also coming out of months and months and months of isolation. So that's kind of really, really, really kind of weaving itself in there and amping it up, right? So a lot of people, thank God, are able to use things like the apps, right? So people are logging on in droves. And I love that. I'm telling all my single clients that, that that are bored, lonely, horny, single, go online. There's a lot of people there that are looking that wouldn't have been prior. And now is an okay and good time to try to build different kinds of relationships. Please don't think that because you can't see them in the ways you would have before, that you can't still build something beautiful and amazing. You can. Long distance you know, relationships have also proven and shown that. So although the numbers are questionable out in the world in terms of COVID cases, people are still going online. And I love that. I want people to have access in the ways they can and do what they need to do. Now, people are going, understandably, on fewer dates, which I'm thankful to hear as a member of the public health system. I want people to be looking out for their own health and the health of others. And so, yes, err on the side of not going out on a physical real-time date, but that doesn't mean you can't still meet up with people. And that doesn't mean there aren't ways that you can still date. And that's what's really what's been adorable is the memes and the videos of people using drones to ask someone out, people meeting up in bubbles, outdoor dining is now something, uh, the weather's still warm in some places. And so you still can get those needs met. And cuffing season doesn't have to be necessarily different this year. Um, but there are new dating deal breakers that are coming out of this, what they're calling COVID-related COVID related turnoffs. So such as things like showing up without a mask, trying to meet up with someone or plan a date indoors. But I'm not, I'm, not a, I'm not opposed to that. It does show someone's narcissism or lack of compassion. If they're like, oh, let's meet indoors and I'm not wearing a mask. It's like, yo, bro, don't you care about how you impact me and others? Because that's not a good sign. So take it as a good thing when someone's like, so because it's COVID and we have to wear a mask, can we meet outdoors and do this and that? I love that. Because there doesn't have to be a taboo about online dating. There never should be. But especially not during a time like this because people still want to connect. Many people, right? And like we were saying, there's so many interesting ways to create dates. And they get more basic and more simple. And there's something really beautiful in that. I have a friend and I'm kind of watching him. He's in an early relationship, newly dating someone. And it's really sweet to watch what they're doing. Their first date was a, was a hike. They met up, kept the distance, wore their masks, and went on a hike. They were outdoors, not around crowds of people. 
It was very sweet. Then the second date was a picnic. Again, distanced, outdoor, not a long period of time. They do a lot of FaceTiming and they're kind of assessing things like that. And they might go get tested together and then do face-to-face dates because otherwise they social isolate. And that's the safe way to do it. Love can still exist. Socialization can still exist. You don't have to be disconnected from all of that. So, you know, just get creative. You can Google the crap out of that stuff. There's so many sites that are talking about COVID-related dates, right? And those are things we can take with us into the future. But please don't think that you need to be limited right now. You just have to get creative. Things aren't going to be as easy or as familiar, but it's still there. And so the whole cuffing season thing is... Interesting also out here in California where it doesn't ever really get cold. So I feel like it's always cuffing season, but East Coast people, Northern people, yeah, the cold weather, the darkness, you want someone to cuddle up with, but please, please, please go online. Just do it with care, love, and compassion. You know, there are other people on the other end whose mental health is tied into this, their loneliness, their isolation. So be loving, be caring, be compassionate, reach out to people, take care of each other. You don't have to go through this alone. Ask yourself, when's the last time I connected with someone? I, I was saying early on in this, three people a day. Reach out and connect with three people a day. People you haven't talked to in a while, people you want to get closer to, people you're concerned about, whatever it is. And you can do it via FaceTime, texting, sharing photos, whatever it is. But three people a day, connect. Remind them that there are people there thinking about them and care about them and for you to also have the same thing reflected back to you. I've gotten really close and built some new friendships through this. And I'm so thankful for it, you know? It's been really meaningful. It's really important. A lot of things we can still do and ways we can thrive in this current time. All right, coming up next, question of the night. So still some time to weigh in on that. That's on our Loveline IG page in the stories. That's up every night. You can always be questioning of the night. Every night we got one. So join in on that and then uh, slide into those DMs. So if you got a question for Jack to Chris, drop a question anonymously, confidentially, as always in our DMs there. Or hey, you can leave your name too. I'll use your name, I don't mind. Uh, Listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. Now it's time for a question of the night. The city of Los Angeles has banned, then allowed trick-or-treaters for this year's holiday celebration. Do you think Halloween should be canceled? 55% said yes. 45% said no. It's pretty balanced. Um, I think yes, it should be canceled because it's just a holiday that we made up We'll be okay missing it one year. We'll be okay doing it at a different time. We'll be okay doing it in a different way. Trust me, it's my birthday season. Halloween is my favorite season. I'm a big horror fan. I'm a big fan of candy. I love getting out there at the West Hollywood holiday celebration stuff. But you know what? We're in a pandemic. <laughs> like that means we got to kind of prioritize better. We will be okay not getting in our costumes this year and getting candy. We really, really, really will. There's other things we can do. You can have an amazing Halloween celebration at home with your family, loved ones, family members that you're cohabitating with. You can still dress up and watch horror movies on your own. Or or we just say, we're going to have to wait till next year. Like, it'll be okay. It'll be okay if you missed your birthday this year. I promise it'll be okay. It'll be okay if you have to delay your wedding. I promise it'll be okay. Because what's your wedding about? Love, care, and commitment. Still going to be there next year. Your birthday. You don't need to get everyone together. Halloween, same thing. We'll be okay. We're trying to save lives. I don't want Halloween to be something that creates a super spread event, right? People are dying. You'll be okay not getting that little you know, family-sized Snickers bar. Calm down. So the question tonight is, do you think canceling holidays is the right move? First person said, no. Halloween is technically one of the safest. People are already wearing masks. Some of them, but there also means hundreds of people walking around in, around each other, bumping into each other, handing out candy. Like, 
Have you seen what it can look like at some people's doors? There's tons of people bouncing around, hands giving out candy, not necessarily washing them. No, not everyone's wearing a mask. And like, it's just a holiday we made up. Like, it ain't that deep. Uh, question tonight is, do you think we, um, do you think that canceling holidays is the right move? Someone else said, no, we've already had the year taken away from us. We're tired and need an outlet. But who are you talking to when you say that? We've already had the year taken from us. Like, who are you blaming? You blaming the government like they did this? You blaming, like, who are you blaming? We're all in this together. We're all impacted by this. It's unfortunate for all of us. No one's benefiting from this. I don't think anger is the right way to handle this. We're in a pandemic. Things should be shut down. Nothing's been taken away from you. Your life is being protected in the lives of those around you. We have to look at why what's happening is happening. I think some people are approaching this like someone angrily just took things away and we're, we're being punished. We're not being punished. We're being protected. Wow, you all let me down a little bit. Uh, <laughs> Do you think that canceling holidays is the right move? Someone else said, no, let us dress up. And kids are outside trick-or-treating. And if that wasn't safe, then outside dining shouldn't be allowed either. But there's a difference between outside dining and trick-or-treating. Trick-or-treating, no one's keeping six feet apart. Are you kidding me? I, I don't, do not believe that you're going to look out and see everyone six feet apart. I don't believe you're going to see everyone wearing a mask. And I don't see the people giving out candy washing their hands after every time they answer the door and hand something out. I don't. Are you going to go home and wash the candy bags? Like... I, I guess I have a very different perspective on this than all y'all do. Question tonight, do you think that canceling holidays is the right move? Someone else said, yes. All right, finally someone on my side. Yes, stay in, watch some movies, get popcorn, and stay safe. Uh, yeah, thank you. It's Halloween. Calm down, y'all. Calm down. I'm also saying cancel weddings. I know y'all ain't happy about that, but calm down. It's a wedding. Calm down. Uh, someone else said, the whole year is canceled. So why don't we just wait till next year to celebrate? I'm here for it. Look, safety first, y'all. Safety should come before getting candy. Safety should come before dressing up for a holiday. Like, I just don't relate to the opposite of that. But again, I work in public health. Some of y'all don't. Yes, I've been self-isolating, so I understand the pressure, anxiety, and stress. Yes, I've been working through all this, so I understand the pressure and stress. But I don't think it's worth people possibly losing their lives so we can get some Twizzlers. Yes, I said Twizzlers. I'm not a Red Vine fan. <laughs> oh, God. All right, we got work to do. Coming up next, DMs. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back, y'all. It's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world. We want you to explore with confidence. Here we go. Hashtag ask Dr. Chris. Hey, Dr. Chris, I know that quarantine is everyone down. But I gotta be honest with you, I'm actually doing pretty well. I love that for you. I moved into a new place, I got promoted, but I feel so bad celebrating while so many other people are struggling. I really do my best to help out, I donate, even work at shelters when I can, but I kind of feel like a jerk sometimes. Is it okay to be happy in this terrible time? Yes! Listen, healthy people will celebrate what's worth celebrating, right? It's not a competition, we're not comparing. And so when someone else is doing well, that doesn't have to have anything to do or reflect on where you're at. It's not dishonoring where you're at. So I want us to celebrate people's successes. So even if someone's not doing well, if your friend, family member, loved one does something positive or promoted or whatever, celebrate that. That's real. I want us to be real. Mental health is feeling all feelings. Mental health is about the ability to feel all feelings and to feel them deeply. And that means the good and the bad. And sometimes 
mental health means holding the good and the bad at the same time. That while something might have some bad outcomes, it also is good at the same time. Pandemic's bad for some, awesome for others. So congratulations to you. I'm proud of you. You've wor- I, you, you, you deserve to be happy. I was going to say you worked hard, but I don't think we have to should have to work hard to have good things. I think we should be able to just get good things. So congrats to you. I'm glad you're thriving. Yes, you have my permission to celebrate it and to talk about it. And those that care about you and are healthy will be happy that you're happy and they will show up to that and celebrate that with you, you know, because your positive celebratoriness isn't taking away and shouldn't be a reflection on other people that aren't. Some people are thriving right now. We should all be glad that they are. Just because some people are struggling, we shouldn't want others to have to struggle, right? And your struggle doesn't impact their thriving. So congrats. That's awesome. I want everyone to thrive right now. That's what I hope for everyone is for people to be able to find moments of joy and pleasure and happiness in a really dark, difficult time. And, you know, as humans, it's very hard to hold two contradictory uh, experiences at the same time, but we have to be able to. It comes up in couples work. You know, the person that you love so deeply a minute ago said something that hurt you and now they're all bad. No, they're actually both. They're the person you loved a minute ago and the person you're frustrated right now, right now with. They're both. We have to hold both. We have to relate to both. People are bigger than one thing. Our lives are a big multifaceted experience. Anytime something bad happens in our lives, there's also good things that are still happening. Every time something good happens in our lives, there's still bad things that are happening. We're allowed to honor and look at and acknowledge both, right? That's the difficult work. Being total selves, acknowledging all components and all sides. So congrats to you. I think that's awesome. There's some, you know, ways that I'm thriving right now. You know, we're all doing the best we can and you have a right to what you're doing. DMs, as always, they're on our Love Line IG page. So drop them on in there. We're here for you. We got your answers. Whatever you're worrying about, other people might be as well. So it helps them. Question of the Night is always up on our Love Line IG page in the stories. So weigh in on that. It's always there. Also, Love Line. Past episodes are podcasted at wearechannelq.com. So go on over there and listen to old episodes, post them, share them. Also, I hope you're checking out my live stream show. I'm listening live. That's every Thursday, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. And that streams on all the radio.com handles, YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. You can also go back and check out past episodes. It's always a celebrity and an expert. And we're talking about what's going on in their lives, but also mental health and self-care and how it intersects with COVID. It's really good stuff. It's new sides of these celebrities that they don't always get to talk about and some really, really interesting experts with very insightful things, tips, tricks, just kind of how to get through the day and how to get through COVID. So anyway, check that out. Um, Be back tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern. As always, y'all, thanks for hanging out with me and you all have a beautiful, beautiful night.